going to take it. and basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. Okay, fellas, let's do the Ryan Goodman and Tangway Along for the Ride pod. Top stories. Steph is king of the three, and uh, Danny Ainge has another job. Shocking. I can't wait to hear your opinions on that. But first, I have to tell you, these days it can be hard to find and hire the right candidate for a small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. That's linkedin.com slash scribe to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash scribe. Nearly every week, 40 million people, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Okay. All right. Bob Ryan, uh, I got a lot to talk to you about this with uh, with the three. So Steph does it. He breaks the record. We knew it was going to happen over Ray Allen. Since you despise the actual shot, what was your, um, um, to your core, your emotion at the moment he broke it? Well, I was, I, I got a phone call from my daughter telling me he had broken it. I was at a little gathering of people uh, at the, that particular evening and uh, phone, uh, and she told me he did it in the first period. And then I've seen the shot and all that fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, See, Jeff, Jeff, excuse me, Jeff, he couldn't be bothered. You know, it was the three. No, no, it was a conflict. I couldn't. It wasn't he was I, down in I, I think he was down in uh near Wake Forest. Were, were you no, not? I was back. I was, that's the day I came back. Okay. I was at a globe gathering, okay? We had a little we have an annual globe sports department gathering and I was right. there. Right. Okay, that's where I was. Okay. okay. Um inevitable as we all knew. I love the symmetry of uh, uh Red, Reggie being there when he was there when Ray broke his record eleven years ago and Ray was there and Reggie was there and uh, that was kind of cute. And of course, all the Currys were there, and blah, blah, blah. boy, did he take it seriously. I'm, I'm almost, I, I just find it interesting. Uh, you know, he already had the two nine seven four hat. He's been wearing two nine seven four in the sneakers. Uh, he said, "Now it proves I'm the best shooter." You know, I got validation. Well, you know, wow, he's taking it seriously. So we know this is wow. This is his identity. He knows it, and and he and he's going to thrive and live off this for his entire life. Okay, look, you know how I feel. He's the best shooter of all time. No one has ever been able to get a shot off with regularity from that kind of distance, the way he has. You know, Ray was a catch-and-shoot guy. Reggie was a catch-and-shoot guy. He's a he's a clear space guy. He can do anything you want. He can catch and shoot. He can get his own shot to the degree. Okay. So he's, he's a phenomenon. He's fantastic. And and and, and I, I know that. So in that sense, you know, I know I just wish that the, the three didn't exist. But, uh, and we can talk about that. But the point is, is he the best exponent of it? Is he the most associate per- person, most successful with it? Absolutely. And now I want to say one thing. He's becoming more and more of a volume shooter. Do you know that he's having, he's shooting the lowest percentage of his career this year? Oh, no, Nobody's I didn't know that. that. No, dude, you didn't know that, did you? Didn't well, <laughs> I looked it up the morning after, the morning after uh, he's shooting 399 this year, going into uh, tonight in Boston. And, That's still pretty uh, good, Bob. Robert, yes, Robert. For him, it's his lowest of any full season. He had that one truncated season a couple of years ago. Well, 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 he also doesn't have Clay Thompson near him. So yeah, yeah. So he's got Andrew. And by the way, uh, his brother is actually shooting exactly as well. Uh, career 
career, not to, and better this year, by the way. Daddy, by the way, was a 40% shooter at a time when that was really extraordinary. Yeah. So the, they are the first family of three. There is no question about that. <laughs> you know, so what do you want to know? <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? Well, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'm, listen, the one thing I'll say about Steph, and, and here's, I feel like he is the superstar in any league that has changed the least. And I'm going to the game tonight. I, it's not often I fork over big, big money. But I'm taking I'm taking my daughter because I don't know how many more opportunities there are going to be for her to see Steph, you know, when he's healthy, when he's playing at a high level. I know he's shooting the the worst percentage of his career, according to Bob, which is still better than 99 percent of the humans <laughs> out there. Um, but I'm paying big money for it because I enjoy there aren't many people that I will pay big money to see. And I'm doing it for my daughter as much as anything. But Steph is one of them, not only because of what he does on the court. But I, I think he's about as classy and, right. and again, has changed the least of any superstar in any league that I've been around. Now, again, I haven't been around everybody, but I will match him, put him up against anybody for the most part. I'm trying to think, guys, who are those guys? Because in the NBA, there aren't many. Like Kevin Durant has changed. We've, I, I've seen it in front of my eyes, right? Like Kevin Durant was the most humble dude ever. And, and I never thought he'd be going at dudes on Twitter, talking shit to, to fans, dropping F-bombs during games for, for saying virtually nothing to him. Um, he's changed. I, I think a lot of the other guys have. Steph Curry, to me, has not changed very much. Yes, he, he celebrates a little bit more than he used to on the court with a little wiggle and, and those types of things and yells. And, but for the most part, Steph's not bitching and moaning to the refs every play. You know, and 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 he, he handles himself with with a lot of class. Who are the guys that you guys can think of right. that are at that level in other sports? Well, I, well, oh, I was going to say oh, other sports, but I was going to say to me the last guy that was as likable overall, not to Celtic fans, but Magic Johnson. I mean, Magic Johnson was great for the league. We know Larry and Magic. Bob knows this better than anybody, but Larry and Magic, you know, were great for the league because of the rivalry and so forth. But you know, Larry wasn't really a salesman. Magic was a great salesman. I mean. Look, you guys have talked to Magic. He's a wonderful guy. Unbelievable. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. They're yeah. nice guys, you know? But Magic was a promoter. Magic was a promoter. Steph Curry is not. Well, wait a minute. Hold the phone. You just heard Bob say, what, he had the, he's got the hat and the sneakers with the, with the number on it. I mean, yeah, this on. was a little bit different. I think he bought into this a little bit more than we thought he would. Well, who does but, it now? I mean, for God's sakes, right. Brady. The other day, Brady released that he has a clothing line coming out called Brady. Oh, Brady! I mean, they all do it. Brady's another. He's on a, a, a totally other level. He's taking it to an extreme. Yes. I'll give you an answer to your question, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned his name, and trust me, it, I, I watched this evolution from uh, the embryonic stages. Larry changed and changed for the better. The Larry Bird, the first time I met Larry Bird was a, an arranged interview for a story in Us magazine in the summer of 1979. And at his insistence, it would, the interview was at Bob Wolf's house. He was not going to, and he, he, made, he laid down the ground rules that he will do his, uh, I'm picking words, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He will do his due diligence. He will do what is required for him to deep meet with the media at the, at the, you know, the times when you're supposed to meet with the media. But I don't want anybody coming to my house. I don't want this. I don't want that. 
he was made it clear they're going to be real strict boundaries. Okay. Eight years later, nine years later, 1988, I wrote a cover story for the Boston Magazine, Boston Globe Sunday Magazine, called "The Blossoming of Larry Bird." It was how Larry Bird had evolved into this raconteur, into this media manipulator, into this this uh, absolutely uh, comfortable person enjoying his jousts with the media. You remember probably Gary uh, the the uh, press conferences uh, in. Uh, at the finals in 87, 88, Larry was holding court. Uh, yeah. oh, this was unimaginable in 1979. And so he evolved. And and if he, he really, and he appreciated the NBA. He wasn't quite the overt ambassador as Jeff has said that Larry, Magic was, but he was, he understood uh, that the, the NBA gave him a form that, you know, and he appreciated it, uh, that the NBA, how it was run, and, and uh, he spoke highly of the commissioner and all that. Anyway, Larry did change. Larry grew up. He grew up in public. And, you know, I used to kid him. I said, Larry Bird had, was always intelligent, but he, I said he successfully evaded the American educational system. <laughs> and, and if you went to French Lick, as I did, and understood and got to understand the culture that he grew up in, in, South, in southwestern Indiana, in, in, in that county, Orange County, uh, you'd understand, he, you know, that if it weren't for basketball, and, and what it brought for him and did for him to give him exposure to the world. He'd just be another guy hanging around, pumping gas, uh, you know, hunting and fishing and, and living his entire life and never going more than, you know, 50 miles from, right. from home. Yeah, working what on Larry the didn't truck. do what, what Larry didn't do, Bob, was play in the age of social media. And neither did Wayne Gretzky, neither did Derek Jeter. Right. All those guys that... I think again, stayed about as humble as as they could, but but again, it's just so much tougher to do it oh, now. Gosh. I mean, again, I go back to Kevin Durant sparring with with fans, and and again, I like part of it that he's engaging with fans, but it's such a different time now, and I think for Steph to be as beloved as he is, and I don't know how many people. I mean, you never hear a bad word about him. I'll walk in the locker room, and I'm I'm not going as a member of the media tonight. But anytime I walk in, in the locker room, first thing, Steph's, hey, Jeff, how you doing? How's the family? Like, and it's not fake. No, it's I, not fake. I, I, I think with Durant, as he's devolved into this strange person if, at times, you know, that uh, it's hurt his overall approval, appreciation of fans who ought to know how good he is. How he is, I mean, just what he did this week, what he's doing as we speak, yeah. the 51 the other night, the needed triple-double when they're down to a bare minimum of, you know, recruiting guys off the street to fill a uniform to, to make the minimum eight to play the game. And all right, I'll, I'll win. It carried a, and now Steve Nash is saying, you know, I, I know I can't keep playing him 48. Can't play him 48 minutes here tonight, you know, and, and that in this day and age is an extraordinary, you know, uh, you know, so anyway, but he's not getting – he is so damn good. You oh, know, he's and, awesome. But he's, he's not, not going to. No longer a question whether he's the top. There's no longer a question whether he's a top ten player. The only question is whether he's a top five player of all yeah. time. So if, if he wins another, safety. if he wins another one, I think he's probably got to win another one to get in that top five conversation. Yeah, but I mean, he's he, not going to. I'm. I'm. Look. Uh, uh, he's. He's threatening Larry. That's um, you know. Now, who's saying this? <laughs> you want me to go grab one of the fifteen Larry Bird books I got behind me? I'm, I'm, I'm Larry's biggest fan, but I'm going to be honest. He's threatening Larry. Uh, speaking of Larry, uh, I can't remember, Bob, if you, it was on Twitter. Did, I thought you said something on Twitter about 
um, it, it, if Larry was playing today, would he be the three-point king? Because he what? Like, would he average like five threes a game? Yeah, like at the most. No, the world was different. Uh, let me just, all right, let's take it 20 seconds. The answer is, if you told him today, yeah. you got to, you, you, I want you to take 10 or 12, you know, or eight or nine or 10. Oh, well, he'll do it, you know. Now, he wasn't as capable of, uh, as Steph Curry is of getting that shot at will, you know, and getting as many uncontested ones as you'd like to have. You know, okay, fine. But you know, he thrived in this game with, with, in that regard. There was no question. None. Uh, there's no ways. He was. Um, let me just say how far we've come, guys. This is, this is uh, just so people put this in perspective. First of all, let's establish this. The rule was introduced into the NBA in 1979. So if you are 50 years old, as you listen to this, if you are 50. That's me. That's me, Bob. Eight, you were eight years old when that rule came into existence. It's all you know. You do not have a firm recollection of the pre-three basketball game and how it flowed, you know, and how it was conducted. That's all. Okay. So this is what you know. I understand that. Now, so, hey, start with that. In 1979-80, they introduced the three-point shot, which had been a staple of the ABA from its existence in 66. And so into the league came a lot of ABA guys, you know, from the merger. There were, right. that, and the first three-point king, uh, or the first three-point king actually was an NBA guy, for percentage it was downtown freddie brown which was quite predictable he, he we always knew downtown freddie as he, he came in with that's how he got his nickname right so he was a born three-point shooter he led the league at four four three it's really even today that'd be it's very very good you, you take anybody would take four four three percentage right the leading volume guy most takes and most makes was an aba expatriate brian taylor 239 attempts, and he made 90. That led the league, 90. Steph Curry has taken in 27 games this year 102 more, 134 more shots in 27 games than Brian Taylor took in 80 in 1979. Just like 80. I'm just trying to put things in perspective of how we've evolved. That year, the Atlanta Hawks, and Hubie was the coach who had coached in the ABA. But it just shows you where his heart was, okay? The Atlanta Hawks in the 82-game season were 13 for 75 on threes. That's crazy. <laughs> now, crazy. four years late, fourth year of the, of the rule in 83-84, okay? The same Atlanta Hawks, this time being coached by Mike Fratello for 82 games, four years into the rule. 23 for 105 for the season. Wow. Steph took 17 himself the other night, the night right, before right. he went to New York. Okay. Two nights away. This is how we've come. Teams were, didn't know what to do with it. You know, it, it was, it, it wasn't part of it. Just, I'm saying, so I'm just saying, uh, when you, people understand where we've come, but I understand you're, Jeff, you're, yeah, anybody who's 50 years old, it's all you know. It is. It is. I mean, it's gotten league? it's gotten out of control. Again, yeah. that, my big thing is it's gotten out of control. Where now everybody's jacking it because of the analytics. Yes, right. right. At the well, analytics say there are guys that are taken that shouldn't be taken. I mean, you know, we all Marcus Smart is you know the poster child for that. Yeah. I mean, there are too many guys taking threes that don't deserve it. But, but even worse, have... even worse are the bigs who can't shoot it. Right. right. Like. Every big thinks they can shoot, you know, Daniel Tice out there with, with again, Brad Stevens drove me nuts because everybody could shoot the three. We joked 
uh, on the pod when we had him on, I asked him, I said, if you had Bob Ryan on your team, would you let him shoot the three? And uh, he didn't really answer the question, Bob. I had, I had three point one hand set range, mostly from the corner. <laughs> I think, I think, Bob, I think Bob would have had the green light under Brad. Oh, there's no question. Bob would have had the green light. But if Mark is smart, has the green light. Anybody has the green light. Well, they all, they all encourage just the game. You know, all the big men are encouraged. To, yeah, we know that. And so, and, and that's I, the part I, of the game I hate. Get your get your ass down on the block, um, Bob. Do you think the game would be as popular today without it as it is now? If if people didn't. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason why not. I mean, the game, the, the, all the, the Lakers and the Celtics, the way they ran, uh, the way that, uh, the way the San Antonio Spurs played in those days, the Denver Nuggets, you know, without the three, and and they were, uh, of course they would. I, it's just, it's here. Look, I know I'm said, I'm not stupid. I understand why you need to, you need to exploit it. If you, it's here, and three is better than two. And the right, if the right people are taking them, you know, this is the morphification of basketball. Well, we just, yeah, and three, three is better than two. I understand that. You know, if it didn't exist, it wouldn't be an issue, though, you know, but but we need some balance, you know, but does everybody, as just what Jeff just said, does everybody have to take three? The answer is apparently now, you know, all the bigs are supposed to take three stretch four has now evolved into stretch fives. And, you know, I have a question. What would seriously what would a team what would Kevin McHale's role be today? Who would, would someone actually want him? I don't know because again, and I'm not comparing these two. I'm not comparing them at all. This guy's listen. He, but but Jaleel Okafor, there's no place in the NBA for him right now. He was the number two overall pick, <laughs> uh, one of the best players in college basketball. A- again, he's got some other issues, so yeah, I'm not but- comparing him to Kevin McHale in any way, shape, or form. I'm just showing years ago. If if Okafor had played 20 years ago, he would average. I'm convinced 15 points. Jeff, when I saw done. him at Duke, when I saw him, I said, oh, my God, the best footwork I have seen since, yeah. guess who? Uh, yeah, he was a throwback. And you're right. There is there, there, now, right. Well, now, because it's of him specifically, we don't know, you know, what, but, you know, it is his, his whatever peccadillos or foibles or why he's not in the league. Or, but, right, that's a very good example. And, I mean, what would you do it? Now, the funny thing about Kevin, I'm, uh, there was a digression. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but I remember this. But he, he had to take a desperation three uh, in a playoff game against the Pistons, and it went in, and it won the game or created the overtime, and they won the game. Yeah. A light bulb went off in Kevin's head at that time. This is 88. Boy. This is a lot more comfortable than getting my ass kicked in a low post. <laughs> and I'm not kidding either. And if you note, he then started incorporating the three into his game with modest success, nothing great, you know, but he could make an occasional one. And he spent the rest of his career, you know, not as much, not as much time in a low post as he had before. And I'm telling you, if that one shot doesn't go in to, 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 to make him a hero, he probably he, he would have stayed in the low post the rest of his life. Anyway, it, it, that's a great question you ask, uh, uh, Gary, about what if the game be as popular. And I, I don't, I, the teams I mentioned, I think, would attract interest just as they did then. Uh, and speaking of the three, we know Danny Ainge loved the three, and we'll get to him. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I got to tell you that do you know what makes LeBron James, King James, sleep? That's right. Sleep is his superpower. Uh, Calm, the number one app for sleep and uh, meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. So if you head to calm.com slash scribe, 
For a limited time, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Again, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash scribe. Unlock content to help you focus, ease, stress, and sleep better. Start at calm.com slash scribe. Okay, so we go with Danny, and before we get to Danny going to Utah after his break, um, I did say one time on the radio, you know, Danny was an overrated three-point shooter. Of course, I was at the Garden last night, and I never heard the end of it um, <laughs> on that, because when I watched Danny, I thought he took too many threes, but whatever. Needless to say. Jeff, I want to start with you on this, because I'm wondering if you're hearing something on the ground or any rumblings. Was the fix in with Danny going to Utah, or did he literally take six months off and have no clue what he was going to do? No, I think he knew this was going to be the end game. It, it was more of when, uh, and he did want to take some time to to kind of, you know, tone it down and, and you know, get everything settled, uh, figure out exactly what his role was going to be with Utah. But listen, it, it's the guy they have running Utah right now, Justin Zanuck, is not a basketball guy. He's not. I mean, he's a former agent who's been in, in the NBA for a while, um, but they mesh together pretty well. And we know Danny, listen, he, he's buddies with the owner in, in, in Utah, played at BYU. It, it had run its course in Boston. Like, I don't know if he was forced out. People are like, well, he was forced out by Wick and, and, and Pagliuca. I don't think he was necessarily forced out. I think he still had a very good relationship with those guys. I think they had a meeting and it was, listen, probably Danny as much as anything, this thing isn't working. We need, to, we need to make a change. Everybody knew that at that point. Now, people thought the change was going to be, you know, either a player at that point, which they couldn't trade Tatum or Jalen Brown, or the coach. And at that point, Brad Stevens was on the hook for too much money. So they figured this whole thing out. And to me, it made sense for everybody involved for the most part, right? Brad gets kind of a, a blank slate as an executive. Danny gets to take some time up and now go back closer to home and have a franchise that is in better shape right now than the Celtics. Sure. So I, I think, and, and for health reasons, I think it was the right move for Danny too, because he was working, you know, the, the hours he was working, he's not going to have to work now because he's got Justin Zanuck with him who can do a lot of the, the, the trading and things like that. He could probably manage it a little more than, than be involved in every single decision. I, uh, I, I thought it was just inevitable. I, I, I that it didn't remotely surprise me that that's where he landed up. I didn't know if it would be a year or not. And, you know, but uh, I, I, I certainly can't refute anything he said. I'm, I'm, I'm just not surprised at all. I think it was an appropriate landing plus spot for him. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and, and I think the key, Ultimately, for the position is is he, he doesn't have to put in go twenty four seven. You know he, he'll pick he'll figure out the workload and and whatever he chooses will be fine with them. You know he's there. He's there. He can always he'll always be available for a phone call. You know what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Yeah. Even if he's coming off the eighteenth hole, you know somewhere somewhere. Uh, you know it, it, his name resonates in in that. Community. Well, you know, I, I feel bad for the because I'm a Danny H fan and I feel that he kind of got a bad rap here in Boston. And I think that I think, you know, he made the deal for Kyrie and anybody would have pulled that trigger. And when Kyrie came, we all thought, OK, geez, he did it again. He did it with Garnett and Ray Allen. Now he's done it with Kyrie. And here we go. 
because they had come off two Eastern Conference final appearances with the young guys. They get the veteran. We're in business. And then Kyrie just blew up on him the way he blew up on everybody else. And then I think Danny, Jeff to me, Jeff and Bob, I think Danny just said, I, I can't deal with this. You know, I, I got to get out of here. I can't deal with these clowns. You know, I mean, and quite frankly, I think that, you know, when you look at Jason Tatum and you look at Jalen Brown, I think he looked at those two guys and said, we're not going to win with these guys either because they're not. They're not. They're not going to win with this team. They got to blow it up. And I think he knew that. Jeff, comments? Yeah, I mean, I listen, think. they're fine. They're strapped. They're, they're strapped. Um, and, and again, without a point guard, I just don't, I don't, I don't know how you could take the next step. I, I, I still, and Marcus Smart's play better. And that's a good thing because his trade value hopefully has gone up where they can maybe flip him and Robert Williams, who everybody was so enamored with um, because of a, a, you know, playoff game, which he blocked every shot last year, a playing game, whatever it was. Um, I, I, I still say you trade them both. You get, you know, you get value where you can for Robert Williams. He's untrustworthy as a player right now. He just is like, he's tantalizing with, with his, his talent level. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I think Danny probably realized again that it had run its course here in Boston as much as anything else that yes, he was not going to win another title here. And, and I think he feel, he also felt like he could help out Brad Stevens, give him another chance here. Uh, have a landing spot right now for his son for Austin Ainge, oh, and, yeah. who, who has a relationship with Brad, so he can stick around in Boston. So I, I think there were a lot of listen. As you get older, he's sixty-two years old. What do you want more than anything? I'm fifty. All I want to do is take care of my daughter. That's it. My career is secondary right now. So I'm sure Danny had the same thing here of like, how do I make sure my son is okay? Well. The best way to do it, he's already got a relationship with Brad Stevens. Brad's going to keep him on. Brad's the best human being in the world. He's going to keep him, so my son's going to be okay. And now if he wants to bring his son with him to Utah, he can do that. I love the idea that they are in, actually in direct competition now. Uh, but we've seen enough of that. I mean, that happens. That's not that uncommon. That just, it just happens to be the latest example. You know, we've got the, got the ultimate guy coming in. Uh, town on Monday. He's not only coach his son; he's coach. He's coaching his yeah. son-in-law <laughs> and Doc. You know, so, anyway, um, yeah. Now, Dan, Danny, I was just going to. Danny's name is gold in in, in that community. I mean, uh, and it's gold I think in case you can make I think it. It's gold in Boston. Still. Yeah, it should be. That's I, I, again, people. I, Jeff, thank you for saying that, because I think it should be. Bob, do you think you know how Jeff feels? Do you feel his name is gold in Boston? In Boston, yeah. I don't think it's ne- negative. I think it's pretty. I don't know gold, but I think it's a positive. Uh, he did rate. a great job. Like, Big he, did, he did a. I thought he did a great job in Boston, and I kind of think the Kyrie thing, you know, put a blemish on it. He had him competitive no, every like, single year. Every year they were competitive for the most part, other than again when Brad first took over, which it was a mess, yeah. and it it had to be then. I mean, listen. He got fortunate with the Tatum trade. He did. He made the right pick with Jalen Brown. That's for damn sure because he could have had Chris Dunn, who's barely sticking out in the league right now, uh, or Buddy Heald. So now he's had his mistakes too. We know that. But nobody drafts 100%. That's, that's the problem I have here. It's like everybody's like, well, look at, look at what he got with uh, – what's his name? Yabuselli and guys like that. Yeah, like nobody gets it all right. No. He's, he made some great decisions. You know, obviously he got Rondo years ago. 
and he made some bad ones, Gerald Green um, and, and other guys that we can go through. But for the most part, Danny Ainge, to me, was a very good exec who was always unafraid. And I know people will say, well, he, he hung on to the, the draft picks too long. Yeah, he did. He was hoping they turn into more than they did before before he dealt them. Uh, but again, I listen, I, I like Danny. I think Danny's been a stand-up guy his entire career, whether it's as a player or as an exec, and and again, been unafraid to make moves when when he needed it. If the only thing he did was what he did on draft night in 2007, he would he should be remembered finally because you know we transformed the team completely that night and 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 and, and well following it up with getting kevin you know obviously but he doesn't have where he's not going to get kevin right. so that's that we know that anyway uh no nobody's perfect and you have to think he's also the, it's the total package gar i mean he was a a, a lovable player here you know and we yeah. and maybe not in the rest of the league that's fine he was our guy and i thought that rap was completely overblown i really truly i it, it could sound like he's a a, a you know a a Brad Marchand character. I don't think so. Oh God, no, 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 no. no. Although uh, Brad Marchand, let me put in context, hockey fans, he's a better hockey player than Danny was a basketball player. Okay. I understand. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? It's, I'm talking about the, ne- the negative if, side of Brad Hey, Marchand. if Gordon Hayward doesn't get hurt in 2017, oh. who knows? I mean, again, they were Kyrie... so well two years ago when they went into the, January, February. And then, yeah. you know, and then and Hayward then goes down again. Which is- I just don't know. Then you have Tatum and Jalen Brown as supporting complementary guys who are growing at that point. And again, do I trust Kyrie to lead them to a title? Probably not. But but who knows? Who knows how the chemistry is of that team that year? They certainly have enough talent. If you look at if you had a healthy Kyrie, a healthy Gordon Hayward, Tatum and Jalen Brown as young players that, that have some experience, man, it's hard to imagine much right. better of a team than that. And then maybe Kyrie buys in. Guys, we got to wrap it up. Thank you very much. Uh, the Ryan Goodman pod along with Tangley brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has covered all has you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts: basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC. Right here at Bet Online. Guys, we'll talk to you again next week.